This is The Cable. Big bid on 10-year treasuries over the last week. Is this just a political fight, some political theatre? A lot of people saying, no, thank you, step back. You're saying, get in, why? Your connection from the London market close to the US market action. It is too easy just to blame Brexit. Surely it can't be anything means bye, bye, bye. The Cable. An historic moment from which there can be no turning back. With Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. Good afternoon, good afternoon to the City of London. I'm Jonathan Farrow. You are listening to The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. It's just gone 5 p.m. in London at the close. The FTSE 100 positive by a third of 1%. We bounced back on the DAX as well in Frankfurt, Germany, positive just over a tenth of 1%. In the United States, we dropped four tenths of 1% in yesterday's session. No real drama in the S&P 500. The S&P 500 today just going through the halfway point in the United States, up by around about a third. In the FX market, sterling Bouncing back, largely politically driven in the United Kingdom, $1.32 is how we trade right now, up a third of 1%. Much more on what's behind that move in just a moment. In the Treasury market, we're shaping up as follows. Yields higher by just a basis point or two to 291 on a 10-year and up by not even a basis point on a two-year note. The two-year yield in the United States on the Treasury market right now at around about 2 55. That should give you a feel of this market, then a whole lot more to come through the program with a lot of market action too to get through. Let's begin though by getting you some top stories with Charlie Pellet. Hi, thank you very much, Jonathan Farrow. An exceptionally busy day, lots going on, but let's begin with Starbucks. Its stock in the United States is plunging right now. Shares down by more than 8%. The coffee giant is retrenching in the US as it contends with sales growth that CEO Kevin Johnson acknowledges isn't fast enough. The cafe chain says it expects comparable sales to rise just 1% globally for the current quarter, the worst performance in about nine years. British workers remained worse off last year than before the financial crisis, and there is little hope for a decent pickup in living standards. This according to a think tank. The Institute for Fiscal Studies says real median employee earnings in 2016 through 2017 were as much as 3% below their 2007 to 2008 level. Germany, land of the no-holds-barred Autobahn is pushing the next level of transportation, that is flying cars. Are you ready? Chancellor Angela Merkel's government has signed a letter of intent with executives from VW's Audi unit and playmaker Airbus to test air taxis in and around the Bavarian city of Ingolstadt. Latest from the news desk, Jonathan Farrow, you ready? Back to you. Will there be a speed limit? In the air, because there isn't on the autobahn. I'm, I'm doubting there absolutely cannot. So, so, you, you so know, you're just, you're just going to like go as fast as you like. Yeah, you know what? I think initially that may be, may well be the case. But listen, here's the issue. First of all, there are physical limits as to just how fast uh, any of these flying taxis can go. And second of all, from a practical standpoint, there are environmental concerns, financial concerns. Listen, planes in the air throughout the United Kingdom, throughout Europe, they can go a lot faster than they are currently flying. But you want to keep them slower because airports can't handle all the congestion and also you don't want to be burning all of that fuel so the answer is no they w- there will be voluntary limits eventually i wonder what altitude they'll be flying at i wonder what's, what's cruising altitude about thirty thousand feet yeah it all depends 30 35 feet for you know for for the vast majority I, I of your, imagine uh, your average german taxi is not going to be getting to 30 no and I'm, feet, I'm, as a matter of fact i'm thinking it's going to be well <laughs> under well under you know five thousand feet a thousand you reckon they're going to go that high oh yeah five thousand oh, yeah. feet oh, yeah. really yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. potentially uh, but, but there are so many getting in one yeah absolutely 
absolutely. I would love it. Absolutely, I would love he it. But, you know, the, but there are just him. so many questions, though, about how this will all work. Uh, you know, uh, all right, maybe I'm overly optimistic for 5,000 feet because that is definitely up there, but probably 1,000. I would be very happy for you all to take the flying cabs and then I'll use the quiet roads. Yeah, who knows? That could be part of it, too. You know, that's one of the crazy things in big cities like London, big cities like New York City. You've got so many of these independent car services on the roads now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Uber and Lyft and Via and who knows what else, that they're actually clogging traffic. I was very happy using the London Underground. So was I. I think the London Underground's great. With one exception. What and yes, it? they have changed it, but I always would hate it when the Underground would shut down very often shortly after midnight. And from a single dating guy's perspective, and yes, I'm going to go there delicately, one had to make a lot of decisions before roughly 12.05, before the last train left. Oh, interesting. Do you want to talk more about that? No, I don't. I want to talk about markets, because there's a lot more going on. I imagine you definitely want to talk about markets now. You took us there, just just so you know, you took us there, and I'm helping you get uh, away. uh, And I appreciate that. NASDAQ 100 at a record, Russell 2000 at a record in the United States, but the Dow is down. I'm really pleased you're throwing some markets in there. All right. Save Charlie. Thank you. I tried. Joining me from London, I'm really pleased to say, is Bloomberg's Lucy Meekin, our UK economy reporter for Bloomberg, and Azurek, Alistair McKay, Director of Investment Management at Fern Wealth. Lucy, help me out. Sterling, bid, why? Well, Theresa May's had a bit of a victory on the latest round of Brexit squabbling this time. She's managed to face down a rebellion, which puts her in a much stronger position. She's still in a pretty weak position, though, let's be honest. It wasn't a great victory for her, but she's got her next vote through, and, yeah, it's on to the next round. So have you asked me before today how Sterling would respond to that decision? This is why I don't trade FX markets. I would have said that this was Sterling negative because she can come back from Europe with a no-deal Brexit now, can't she? She could, yes. But I think at this point it's just about progress The one thing underlying all this from the economics side is that the more we faff about with all these arguments, the less people are willing to invest in businesses and expanding and hiring people and buying machinery. And, you know, at the end of the day, we need to get on with it. What's the view like from Zurich, Cal? Um, It's fantastic weather out there, loving it. Wanting to talk about uh, the UK Brexit negotiations, not not so much. (laughs) He's right, by the way. Don't get caught up in the short-sightedness of what today's event means and what it means as far as Sterling is concerned. Look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that she's actually managed to to move the the agenda on slightly. She's not cut off any any routes to, uh, to, uh, to where this might ultimately go. And she's garnered, fractionally garnered, a little bit more support, as it were, and belief uh, that she's going to be able to drive this this whole negotiation further forward to ultimately some sort of conclusion. That, that's that's why we're seeing the spike. And let's face it, it's not exactly that much of a spike. Well, it's not. We're up a third of 1% on the pound against the dollar cable up to about 132.12. I mean, the bottom line is no one wants this job, do they, Al? Complete poison chalice. I mean, it was a poison chalice when she took it, took it on in the first place. It certainly hasn't improved any. Um, and 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 we've we've said this for months now, nigh on well over years, a uh, year now. Uh, that uh, you know, whatever decision you make, wh- however you drive this, whether you get Britain out or you manage to keep Britain in, if you could, whatever you do, uh, probably half the population are going to hate you for doing that. 
and it's just a lose-lose situation. You can imagine once the deal is done, the knives are going to be out for the top job of the Conservative Party. Um, Lucy, I think pretty much everyone, no matter what side you bat for, um, you want a good deal for the United Kingdom if you live in the United Kingdom, um, bottom line. And Lucy, I guess today, after this decision, does this open the door to help her go to the Europeans and negotiate a better deal on behalf of the people of the United Kingdom? So yes, that's exactly the argument, that when she's weakened by having to take things to Parliament, it hugely undermines her negotiating position. And, you know, at the end of the day, people do want a good deal. Although the problem is, I think people don't know necessarily what a good deal is because no one can agree on anything here right now. There are some people who think a good deal is just walking away. And there are some people who think a good deal is as close to what we've got now as possible. And the clock is ticking. Sterling today, though, firmer yeah. by about a quarter of 1%. 132. We reclaim a 132 handle on cable. Lucy Meekin sticking with me, UK economy reporter for Bloomberg and Alistair McKay, Director of Investment Management at Fern Wealth out of Zurich and London, respectively. Stand with me. Next up on the programme, we'll run you through the latest in the trade war. The European Union striking back against UF tariffs on metals, imposing 25% duties on Harley-Davidson's and Levi jeans. Oh, and bourbon whiskey as well. Sounds very political, doesn't it? That conversation next. You listen to The Cable. This is Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio at the close today. We reclaim some of the losses of yesterday across much of Europe. The DAX up by just a tenth of 1%. Gains of a similar amount on the FTSE MIP in Italy. In London, positive by about a third of 1%. Halfway through the session in the United States, down yesterday 0.4%, up today 0.3% on the S&P 500. No drama. The politics of Brexit helping Sterling get up to 132, up by about a quarter of 1%. No big moves, no big price action there. In the Treasury market, yields just inching a little bit higher, up a basis point on a 10-year, bleeding higher by not even a single basis point on a two-year note. We're up by 0.0083%. The uh, story on a two-year note right now, 255 is your yield on a 2 year treasury. The story in a world of trade, well, US tariffs could deliver a sizable hit to China's economy. Economists warned that if President Trump carries out his threat to impose tariffs on another $200 billion of Chinese products, it could cut up to a half a percentage point of China's economic growth. Meanwhile, Europe is striking back against US tariffs on metals, imposing 25% duties on a wide range of American-made goods, including Harley-Davidson's, Levi jeans and bourbon whiskey. The tariffs will take effect on Friday. So a threat to the Chinese growth picture and a threat to um, some of the well-known iconic US brands as well. Joining me now, Alistair McKay, Director of Investment Management at Fern Wealth in Zurich. Lucy Meakin, UK economy reporter for Bloomberg, joining us as well. Um, Al, it just seems to me that this is incredibly political for the European Union to go after iconic brands like Harley-Davidson's and and Levi's. And I, I don't understand the economics of this. I, I just see a political war, not an economic one. 
Well, I think um, they've, they've probably had a look at what Canada have done and what Mexico have done. And, and Bourbon seems to be uh, one of the unifying uh, targets of, of many. And a p- part of the reason is it's, you know, uh, the, the production of the, this, these drinks and, and some of those goods is, is very much in Republican-held states. Um, and I think that's probably going to be the, 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 the sort of chink in, in his armor, as it were, that... Uh, President Trump's most likely to, to react to. Uh, you know, the EU feels they've, they've got to impose a tit-for-tat, um, uh, you know, action on this. Um, and this is this is their target. I think when it comes to, to China, I have a somewhat different view, and I think you're uh, slightly in, in, in line with this, which is that when it comes to things like patents, there's a, a, a mismanagement of the way that China allows companies and, and the country to um, ignore global rules and regulations Absolutely. in that regard. And that needs to be tackled. Uh, but using the, the, the trade balance as the specific uh, barometer to judge how successful this is being, I, I think is misguided. Because let's say... Yeah. There should be a trade balance in that direction anyway. There is um, misbehaviour on both sides. And if they were pulled into the headmaster's office, I imagine that the uh, Europeans and the Chinese might turn around and say, he started it. He started started (laughs) it. And I imagine imagine the Americans might stand there in front of the headmaster and say the Chinese started it and they've been doing it for the last 20 years. Isn't Isn't that ultimately the problem here, Lucy, that the US administration seems to be, and in the minds of many, many people, Um, and I'm tempted to say myself as well, justifiably so, um, reciprocating some of the barriers to entry that China has been holding on to for the last several decades. I think it's a fair argument, but then you've got the question of whether or not this is the greatest idea for a a global economy that's had a few little wobbles of late and hasn't really managed to get itself quite back to where it was, you know, know, the kind of momentum we were seeing a few years ago. So... Yes, there's a point to be made, but do you want to make it this way? Do you want to halt trade? I mean, we've had a lot of central bankers today saying, no, this isn't the way to do it. Let's talk about those central bankers. Uh, Lucy Meekin's going to stick with me alongside Alistair McKay. Next up on the programme, a fascinating discussion over in Sintra, Portugal. The ECB putting on in recent years the Jackson Hole equivalent um, over in Europe for the ECB. And it takes place in Sintra, Portugal. And today there was a brilliant lineup with the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, ECB President Mario Draghi, BOJ Governor Haruhiko Kuroda, and kind of the odd one out, but equally as interesting, was the RBA Governor, Mr. Lowe. Um, that conversation and some of the highlights coming up from that in just a moment. You listen to the cable. This is Bloomberg Radio. <laughs> This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to The Cable on DAB Digital Radio. This is Bloomberg Radio. 5.18 in the city. At a close today, the FTSE 100 firmer by just under a third of 1%. Sterling firmer as well as uh, Prime Minister May manages to push away the rebels again. 132 on cable. We're up about two-tenths of 1%. It's important breaking news coming from the United States. If you've been following the immigration story closely over the last week or so, in fact, the last couple of weeks with the situation at the border and families being separated at the U.S.-Mexican border, families, parents and children ultimately being separated. Some really disturbing images for a lot of people. Well, the President of the United States has said he will sign an executive order on Wednesday being today to uh, keep families together amid the furor over 
all of that. Um, criticism of the president's family separation policy mounted at home, abroad. The uh, the Pope weighing in that the Trump family separation policy is immoral, contrary to a. Uh, Catholic values, the Prime Minister weighing in as well, calling it deeply disturbing and, and wrong, and it looks like the President may well correct the uh, the course of action um, in the coming hours, so look out for that. Elsewhere in the world of monetary policy, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is repeating the case he's laid out of raising interest rates. Powell told the ECB Forum in Portugal that there's broad support among Fed officials for tightening. Powell cited low unemployment, inflation that's close to the Fed's target, and balanced risks. So nine years into an expansion that has sometimes proceeded slowly, the U.S. economy is now performing very well. Growth is meaningfully above most estimates of its long-term trend, although uh, admittedly that trend is not what we would have hoped it to be. The labor market is particularly robust with uh, unemployment at at its lowest level since April 2000, and inflation has moved up close to our 2% objective, although we haven't yet seen it uh, remain there on a sustained basis, as our goal would suggest we should do. Today, most Americans who want jobs can find them, and high demand for workers should support wage growth and labor force participation, the latter a measure on which the United States now lags most other advanced economies. A tight labor market may also lead businesses to invest more in technology and training, which should support productivity growth, and some groups, such as some uh, racial and ethnic minorities that still have higher unemployment and lower participation rates, could also see increasing benefits from a tight labor market. In short, there's a lot to like about low unemployment. Achieving our statutory goal, though, of maximum employment in a context of price stability and financial stability is both our responsibility and our challenge. Earlier in the expansion, as the economy recovered, the need for highly accommodative monetary policy was clear. But with unemployment low and expected to decline decline further, inflation close to our objective and the risks to the outlook balanced, the case for continued gradual increases in the federal funds rate is strong. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell there speaking in Sintra, Portugal at the ECB's forum. Still with me, Alistair McKay, Director of Investment Management at Firm Wealth, and Lucy Meakin, UK economy reporter for Bloomberg. Lucy, I'm not used to hearing Fed chairs say the word strong so much, (laughs) Um, only because many of these central bank leaders have been so cautious in the past not to worry um, market participants that being bullish the economy ultimately means being hawkish on monetary policy. Lucy, are you surprised by how plain speaking Jerome Powell has been over the last several months? Well, I mean, you've got to remember, I cover primarily the Bank of England and then the ECB. So I don't think I've heard the word strong ever. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And Alistair McCaig, that has been a fact for um, for much of Bernanke's tenure and, and bleeding a little bit into to Yellen's tenure as well. They just weren't used to seeing anything that remotely resembled strong. Uh, look, I think um, when when you see um, Powell and uh, Draghi sitting together and taking turns to have speeches uh, in Portugal, uh, the word waffle comes to mind uh, when I think of the ECB. Um, the, the word count must be considerably different between the two. Um, and he's, he's definitely going with plain speaking. I think it's worth noting, though, that saying that uh, US rates are probably 1% below neutral um, may well be the snapshot how he feels things are right here, right now. Uh, but by the time we actually get to that point um, in this slow and gradual rate rising cycle that the US has, there's going to be a lot of waters gone below the bridge. And when, when you consider the amount of uh, trade wars that uh, potentially could emanate between yeah. now and then. Uh, I, you know, I think um, we, we might not necessarily see um, see this pace being maintained. But doesn't that raise an interesting point? In his mind, Al, he's dovish. 
because he still thinks they're 100 basis points south of neutral. Isn't that interesting that he thinks the economy is really strong, but he still sees monetary policy being incredibly accommodative? Well, I think he has to. You can't just look internally in the US. The consequences of what's going on globally here there'll be a lagging effect before they actually start to really take take uh, take hold in the US, but they will. Um, and, um, you know, I guess when you talk about uh, unemployment levels being as uh, as low as they've been in, in decades, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the majority of people then tend to think, well, there's only one direction they're ultimately going to head here, I'm afraid. Lucy, do you remember the days when we used to discuss who would go first, Carney or Yellen? <laughs> and and Carney, Carney's only managed to hike once because he cut before he hiked. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it counts when you've It cut doesn't count, does it? I mean, what on earth is going on in the United Kingdom and monetary policy right now? Well, I think tomorrow, very little. Um, we've, we've got the rate decision tomorrow. Nobody's expecting any change. Uh, I think we've we surveyed 21 people, 21 economists asking if even the uh, the vote split was going to change and only one thought it might. I, I think people have got a very low expectations for tomorrow and August is looking pretty questionable as well. So perhaps we might see some comments in tomorrow's minutes that might give us a steer on how the BOE are looking at the data as they go into August. But I think that's the most excitement we can expect in the coming weeks. Lucy Meakin, great to catch up with you. Um, Lucy Meakin also emailing me um, during the commercial break to say that I should run a Levi smuggling operation back to the London office. Um, (laughs) For anyone who works in border control um, (laughs) in the United Kingdom, I will not be taking that suggestion seriously. And the next time I come back to the UK, it will be hand luggage only. Um, But good try, Luce. Um, (laughs) Alistair McKay, Director of Investment Management at Fernworth. Guys, great to catch up with you. Seriously, it's always great to get your insight. Thank you. And good luck tomorrow covering the Bank of England, Lucy. A busy day for you, I'm sure. Coming up on the programme, we'll take it here to the United States and run you through what's happening in the world of media. It's 21st Century Fox and everyone wants a slice of it, apparently. Comcast come in with a bid. Disney goes one further. It looks like it's Disney's to lose right now. Does Comcast want to spend even more. And in the words of Rich Greenfield, when does winning start to look like losing? This is Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. At the close today, the FTSE bouncing back from some of yesterday's losses across the continent. The FTSE 100 up a third of 1%. Sterling just a touch stronger, up two-tenths of 1% as the Prime Minister slaps away the rebels once again and allows essentially her to come back with no deal and still get a Brexit. Ultimately, counterintuitively for some of you I know, but ultimately what that means is that her hand is stronger and maybe she'll be able to get a better deal. Sterling slightly stronger off the back of this. 131.99. That gives you a feel of this market then. Let's get you up to speed on the top stories. Here's Charlie Pell. Hi, thank you very much, Jonathan Farrow. A developing story that I know is being followed closely in the United Kingdom, but it has to do with UK or US immigration. President Trump says he will be signing an executive 
executive order today to keep families together amid a furor over his policy of separating children from their parents when they are caught illegally crossing the United States border with Mexico. The president did not immediately elaborate on the order during remarks in a meeting with U.S. lawmakers at the White House attended by the press. We're watching Starbucks shares today and they are plunging in the U.S. Coffee giant shares down by 8%. It is retrenching in its home market as it contends with sales growth that CEO Kevin Johnson acknowledges isn't fast enough. From coffee to marijuana. Canada set to become the first group of seven nations to legalize recreational marijuana after a bill from Justin Trudeau's government won the backing of the upper chamber. The Senate's approval clears the way for the final step, a ceremonial approval from the governor general to officially make the bill law. Latest from the news desk, Jonathan Farrow, back to you. You know what it's all about, Charlie. If you can't beat it, tax it. <laughs> or either that or go to Amsterdam. That's, yeah, that's, no, you're absolutely that's right. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, Vince Signorano right. and Michael Regan joining me in here. Um, the IMF just approving a 50 billion Argentina program, as you do. And um, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, but that's the truth, isn't it, Vince? If you can't beat it, tax it. I just had this vision of Charlie Pellet holding a doobie and it just cracked me up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> For health reasons, Vince. For health reasons only. For health Absolutely. reasons only. It's, a, it's a great cure for a arthritis, co- a coffee I'm sure. and a doobie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Starbucks in one end and partial a doobie to a little bit of that on your trips to Amsterdam, Charlie. That, that's why they call them coffee shops. That's, but you know what? Right. I'm like the only guy that goes to Amsterdam and I drink beer. I kid you not. I mean, it's one of the great beer cities in the world. Actually, you've got a point. Uh, you know, it really funny? is. Yeah. yeah, you can get yeah. nice. You can get a nice lager in um. Yeah, absolutely. In Amsterdam, you're you're spot on, Charlie. Where are your travels taking to? Uh, this coming weekend, getting on a cruise ship out of Miami, heading down to Jamaica. We can sing the Beach Boys song down to Jamaica, going yeah. to the Cayman Islands, going to Mexico. I love getting on cruise ships. Isn't I love it. You, you know, take, are you and taking Mrs. Pellet? I'm taking Mrs. Pellet, taking the kid. And, oh, really? You know, and and oh, let me tell you, John, Jonathan Farrow, if we wanted to get another bed in our cabin and make it four, we, we'd still <laughs> show you a great time. I could see you up there doing I'm, YMCA, I'm, the I Macarena. You'd love don't it, mate. want to have a full family outing with the pellets <laughs> in one room. Well, you're not. I'm Show me a great but, but, time. But even so, <laughs> and that's not code for anything. By the way, this, this doesn't sound like a story that I want to be <laughs> a character in. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of the Barbie in Australia. There for a second. I don't know what is going. I think you got to give it a try. Uh, wait, for our listeners that don't remember the barbecue in Australia, um, I'm not going to repeat the yeah, story. Let's not go there. Let's not go to the barbecue in Australia. Oh, that was the policeman. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he had to go there. <laughs> the cop. Charlie, um, honestly, I-, I wish you the best trip ever. Have Am you- I going to see you tomorrow? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, but have, you- have you ever been on a cruise? I haven't. You know, I've always thought I might want to go on a cruise, but I never got around to it. It it is absolutely amazing. I I mean, I think it's the greatest holiday that you can possibly have. I get get annoyed at work, though, Charlie, surrounded by people that I don't like. And I love people. And I can't imagine being stuck on a ship with a load of people that I don't like. And believe me, I'll fall out with people pretty quickly. There's like three or four people. I'm totally there. You'll spot them from a mile away and you'll be like, I do not like that guy. (laughs) And you know what? It doesn't matter what he says to me for the rest of the trip. I'm going to say... To the other half, I do not like that guy. I do not want to be anywhere near that family. And, and that's the guy who'll come and sit right and next to you. That's correct. The and you will yeah. see them for all and, seven and days of the cruise. You'll see them everywhere. And do you know what? This happens when I go out and see, when I went to Cartagena in Colombia. There were a couple of people that came into a restaurant um, one night, and I just, just, you know what I mean? You just like, <laughs> just no, that guy, don't like him. You know, cruise ships might not be for you. He's giving it snacks. <laughs> do you know how many times I saw him walking around the city after that? <laughs> I saw him all the time. Cruise ships, not for me. But, but you know what? 
everybody's got a story. Everybody's fascinating in some way, and and that's what you got to figure out. Yeah, but you're a gentleman. You really are, Charlie. Did um, you do this with frequent flyer miles? Uh, on this one, no, believe it. And I'll tell you why, because the airfare down to Miami was so cheap. Keep in mind, I'm taking a cruise out of Miami in June. Now, this is not peak travel time. Uh, what's what's peak travel? Uh, peak travel would be over school holidays, oh, Christmas. Oh, into July. Yeah, into July. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. but June's still, still a nice time to go. Uh, well, no, because it's going to be like, you know. How much, uh, how much was hurt. the flight from New York down to, Unbe- to I, I got the three of us coming. Let me give yeah. you the flight back, because that I'm particularly fr- proud of, and I did not use frequent flyer miles. For all three of us, roughly 360 US dollars for three people for a one-way from yeah. Miami to New York. That's pretty Three good. people. That's, wow. that's pretty amazing. Good. One way. Well, on on the one way, but we all had to go down different times. Oh, so it's uh, so who, going who down. Who are you flying with? Uh, coming back on uh, on American, and you know yeah. what? I can even tell you the seat number: thirteen A, B, and C. And you know why? Because thirteen. So many people perceive that to be an unlucky number. I like thirteen. That's why? my wife's birthday. Oh, so you cute. know, so oh, do you yeah. get a bargain on seat thirteen. I still no. don't select <laughs> seat thirteen. Uh, I'm so OCD with my place seating. It's honestly, it's horrible. I sit there and I go through the seat and I'm like, no, that one, that one, that one. And I switch like five times, See, Charlie, before and, I decide. And, and ultimately, I try and go with 1A. I just want to get out of the plane as soon as it lands. <laughs> because you'll probably be sitting next to somebody you don't like. That's probably, you're probably or, right. You're or probably right. somebody who could become a business contact, somebody who could become a new friend. You know, I should friend. tell you a you really good story. So we're going to watch Aston Villa versus Tottenham Hospers. And we're going back to, I think, around about 2012. And we're going to Villa Park in Birmingham. Um, decent game it's like boxing day in the United Kingdom day out me my dad my sister and my brother-in-law my dad says to me bring your business cards and I say dad we're going to a football game you know it's going to be full of chavs there's going to be no one there worth meeting so we turn up at Villa Park go and have a nice meal go and sit down sitting directly behind me my dad turns around and goes John and sort of nods his head to behind me sitting directly behind me Governor Mervyn King. Wow. <laughs> Governor no, no cards. Mervyn King. No cards, nothing. And my dad just looks him and he goes, you see? <laughs> so at half time, at half time, it's one of the first pictures I ever tweeted out. And if you scroll, I don't know if you've got the time and if you can be bothered to, you'll find the picture eventually. I sit down next to Mervyn King and I say, Mervyn, can I have a picture just to send back to everyone? back at work and Mervyn's of course is on his way out and Governor Carney's just been announced and I asked him if he would send an Aston Villa shirt to um, Governor Carney and leave it on the seat because he's a Villa <laughs> fan did you know that? I had no Mervyn idea. Mervyn King is no a idea. big Aston Villa fan and, and I bet Mervyn King doesn't get that many people asking for selfies. I imagine he doesn't. Um, in fact, I think I might be the only one in the stadium that recognised him, to be honest with you. But yeah, anyway, great story. Charlie, um, have a great holiday. We'll catch up with you tomorrow before and, you and, go. And let me tell you, another. you tell great stories. I'm still, I've, I told my wife, the, the punchline was, uh, Yankee sucks, is what oh, they yeah. said to you, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. said, and so does coach mate. And yeah. I love that story. I passed oh, along to my wife. wife that one I too. did, and the kid loved it too, and they, oh, both really? said, <laughs> they both said they want they like Jonathan Farrell. <laughs> but that's nice, Charlie. Cheers. Thank you very much, mate. Um, sticking with me is Michael Regan and Vincent Signorella. Bloomberg's very own. We're going to run you through some of the big things happening in the United States. A big battle for Rupert Murdoch's 21st Century Fox assets. Just who's going to get it? Comcast. Or Disney. Well, it's one-up Disney at the moment. Mike Regan's going to run us all through it in just a moment. You listen to The Cable. This is Bloomberg Radio.
is The Cable with Jonathan Ferry on Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. This is Bloomberg Radio. Big battle for Rupert Murdoch's 21st century Fox assets. And uh, Comcast bid has been down a big blow. Fox agreeing to a sweetened $71 billion bid from Disney. That breaks down to about $3 per share more than Comcast has currently offered. Fox says the Disney bid also offers more flexibility and enhancements than the Comcast offer. Of course, one of the jewels in Sky's crown is that share in B Sky B and Sky and Sky Today up on the news by about 3%, by 3.14% in London trading. So just who gets those 21st century Fox assets and who gets that slice of Sky as well? Joining me to discuss, Michael Regan, Senior Editor and Lead Blogger for Markets Live, Vincent Signorella, Bloomberg's Macro Score Canalyst in New York with us too. Um, Mike, a Comcast coming back with a bigger offer? We'll see. I mean, it's been fascinating to see. I mean, when's the last time we saw like a... a gloves off bidding a proper war, like. bidding war yeah, of this it's, size. it's interesting i mean you know uh, the little uh devil on my shoulder says it's also a sign of a potential market top when this type of stuff <laughs> well starts yeah, i'm gonna get to that in a moment yeah yeah but um i mean disney seems pretty hungry for these assets i think i mean 71.3 billion uh you know obviously comcast has a lot of dough too disney just has a track record of really wanting to aggregate entertainment assets like this, um, so I imagine they're 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 ready to to go to the mattresses and, and and take this battle. To me, there's a really interesting backdrop to this story, though, and it's that uh, Fox is having a lot of internal backlash to their news operation uh, because of some of their their coverage of of the president. The, a lot of the creators of these shows on the regular Fox broadcast network, uh, Modern Family, and and some of the other shows. Um, are, uh, you know, really coming out against the political coverage on the news station. So I wonder if in some way that's part of the whole rationale behind this to separate those two, because every now and then you'll get this big boycott of all Fox properties over something that that one of the presenters on on Fox News said. Um, So this would, you know, sort of separate those two. So from that kind of business perspective, it, it sort of makes a lot of sense because... It, yeah, it's almost a fortunate coincidence that right? we're going to see those two things broken up. Um, I, Rich Greenfield of BTIG, Mike, um, asked a really interesting question. When does winning become losing? And I guess what he's implying is when does winning because you've paid too much ultimately become a loss? Right, right. Well, let's take a is look Is that going to be more of a problem for Comcast potentially than Walt Disney Company? Because... Comcast doesn't really have a lot of cash, and they're leveraging the balance sheet to get this done. Right, right. And Disney, I mean, you know, it's a big deal to swallow either way. I imagine whoever wins it, you'll see a pretty negative reaction in the share price in the short term. I mean, you know, Disney, when you look at all of Disney's acquisitions over the years, very ambitious. I mean, yeah. you know, from the, the Lucasfilms to the, the comic book assets, and it's all sort of worked out for them. So you got to tend to think that there's some, you know, some smart moves behind their strategy. Um, you know, Comcast, uh, you know, obviously has the content uh, element of their business, but Disney, I think, just has been in the business so much longer that um, it seems to me like a, a more natural fit to them. But uh, we'll see. We'll see who uh, who coughs up the most. Vince, I want to get to what um, Michael Regan mentioned at the beginning of the conversation. 
is it feeling toppy out there? You, you do get that sense. I mean, this sort of reminds me a little bit of the sort of dot-com merger and acquisition stage of things. Yeah. Like when WorldCom went crazy um, and, and it, things are getting a bit frothy. It, I'm not, Mike's the equity expert, not I. Um, but, but you can go on sentiment <clears throat> at general risk aversion yeah. or lack thereof. Yeah, I think I think when you're looking at uh, the political considerations in Europe and the the uh the old tariff situations and the what you know we're listening to central bankers today uh, at Central in Portugal speaking to that issue and all echoed the same sentiment and it's an obvious one they haven't built any of tariffs uh, into their current models yeah so should this become a big issue all of the central banks models and forecasts are going to be downgraded and not good for the equity market and not good for growth Bloomberg's Vincent Signorella and Bloomberg's Michael Regan sticking with me next up on the program we'll run you through some of the key events for the rest of the week including that OPEC decision that's just around the corner you listen to the cable this is Bloomberg Radio this is the cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio it's the cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio you're listening to Bloomberg Radio weakness yesterday across the board a lot of risk aversion today we unwind some of it. The FTSE 100 finishing the session higher up a third of 1%. The DAX up by 0.14%. Gains across the United States. Just look at the NASDAQ. The tech-heavy index up by almost 1%. The S&P 500 up by four-tenths of 1%. We don't quote the Dow very often. It is a flawed index. A flawed index that will no longer have GE in, in it, um, I understand, Mike Regan. That's, that's right. That's the latest change. Do we care? Um I mean, from a nostalgic wa- point of view. From a nostalgic point of view, I mean, you know, what G was in it almost from the beginning. I think, right? Was, yeah, uh, one of the original members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, from from that sort of history book type of thing. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, <clears throat> no one really talks about the Dow in any serious market conversation. You know, there's just not much money benchmarked to it. The method uh, methodology of it is you know, price weighted. No one does that anymore. And to me, it's amazing that over the long term, it does kind of still track the S&P, you know, in, with broad brushstrokes. Uh, on any given day, it won't. But so it, it's kind of interesting to me that they have engineered uh, components of it that do sort of track the S&P. Uh, it's, a, it's a really ridiculous index. You know, yeah. you know we like I, it, though. We like why? it. We like it on big down days. Oh, dear. I tweeted tweet, right? about this the other day. Right? We love this. I we can just sit the Dow is down a thousand the points. The Dow is down 500 points. I mean, yesterday was a classic. It's great. CNN tweeted out their that. story that um, the Dow finished the day down 287 points on trade war fears. And um, I checked where the S&P 500 was because I'm at home by the time the market yeah. shut. It was down four-tenths of 1%. <laughs> right, right. It was right. down four-tenths of 1%. Why do we do this? Yeah, because You know why? Because it it's it just it sounds great. It's enthusiastic. Like when I'm sitting there squawking, I can't say the Dow's down two-tenths of 1% because then <laughs> traders are sitting there going, you bugger, I have to get my calculator out now. Just tell me how many points. Well, you just tell them both. Well, we, we do sometimes, but when it's down big, when it's down like over 500 or something, it sounds emphatic. I know, and, but like, how many know. traders are taking cues from the Dow anyway? Yeah, I, well, from the equity markets in general, but not the Dow per se, no. Yeah. yeah. I it, just, it's kind of interesting just because of the makeup of it. Uh, it has become more sort of a higher beta to, to trade war, uh, 
attention. Not that there's really anything you can do with that other than just yeah. Because as you that. say, I mean, the clues in the name it's full of industrial companies yeah. that have got exposure to um right right to what is happening abroad, including yeah. companies like Boeing. Right, and uh, less tech, you know. So it's it's less yeah. uh, got less of that insulation effect. But you know, the, the beginning and the end of the story is there's really not much at if at all money benchmark to it. There's there's hardly any. I think there, I, you know, there's a couple ETFs that track it, but pretty low uh, assets under management compared to the, you know, the trillions that are tracking the S and P. So that's the main reason. Do you know why. what? Do you know what the member weighting breakdown is? Do you know what the top weighting is it is in the Dow? Oh, is it? I was Goldman for a while. It's Boeing. It's Boeing. And do you know how big they are in the Dow? Yeah. Boeing. It's almost ten like percent. Yeah. It's almost ten. Percent because it's price weighted and a share of Boeing is three hundred and forty-five dollars. I mean, give me a break. Do you know what Boeing makes up of the S and P five hundred? Zero point eight percent, and yet it makes up almost ten percent of the Dow. I won't spend too much longer on this because it drives me insane, <laughs> and we're all on the same page. Uh, in terms of events coming up tomorrow, Bank of England rate decision, Fed stress test results, um, deadline set by Eurozone finance ministers. Drum roll for a deal on debt release for Greece, um, Eurozone consumer confidence. Friday, we go into an OPEC meeting in Vienna. Look out for that as well. Lots going on, Vince. What are you looking for? I think the OPEC meeting is the biggest thing. And in fact, we may hear about it uh, as early as tomorrow. The Saudi oil minister said today that everyone he's talked to, everyone he's talked to, except for probably Iran, Iraq, and Venezuela, all, uh, all believe that supply should be increased and some production limits should be raised. The question is, do they get what they and Russia wanted, which was the one and a half uh, million yeah. barrels, or do we get closer to what Iran wants, which is zero? So somewhere in between that two to four hundred range is 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 maybe not an event, um, but the one and a half certainly would be if that happens. What's the impetus to do this? Um, seventy five dollar Brent, seventy four dollar Brent, or a phone call from the president of the United States to? Get a move on. I don't think it's the phone call from the President of the United States. I think from the Saudi standpoint, they have an ambitious budget and they need to raise some revenue. So the more production, the more market share helps them. And Russia's in a similar position um, with the trade sanctions from the United States. Uh, Putin wouldn't mind uh, a few more shekels in his pocket and help the situation. So I think it's really more, you know, they you, you can make a political deal out of it, but I think it comes down to dollars and cents for both those countries. Mike, I... Yeah, I, I do think no one wants to be the target of that angry tweet, though. Yeah, that's you know who. <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know if that's completely out of the mix. Uh, but um, you know, and, and they got a good number from the uh, U.S. Uh, inventory numbers today, uh, lo- larger than expected decline in crude stockpiles. So that's kind of firming up the price a little bit heading heading into it. So it it you know it it gives them um, a little breathing room to, to pull it off. So it. it uh, you know, it looks like it's going to happen. Guys, are you going to be boring the next couple of days, um, Vince? Or do you get the feeling that this could be interesting? I get the feeling the next couple of days are a little bit... Mm. It's been a boring week, to be honest. It's been a boring week. Last week was, actually, to be honest with you, last week was probably more boring than this week, with the exception of the ECB meeting. <laughs> yeah. and, we had a, and we had a stacked calendar. Yeah, well, relatively speaking, because of the stacked calendar, we had anticipated it to be a very exciting Can week. Can we stop? Whenever um, Mike Regan, a research analyst, comes out with a story, biggest week ever... Can we just stop that's, reporting it? That's your cue to... Uh, Is that your cue just to take the week right, off? Yeah. Your cue to check the Dow. You know, yeah. It's your cue to check the Dow, <laughs> I mean, honestly. I mean, the there's Dow. big there's big news weeks, and then there's big market weeks, and the two are Isn't that true? And there's things calendar. that journalists... I always say this. There are things that journalists obsess over, 
and things that everybody else just does not care about. Yeah. Um, one of those stories, I think, is Amazon HQ, but that's a rant for another day. Um, guys, <laughs> great to catch up with you both. Vincent Signorella, Bloomberg's Michael Regan. Always a pleasure, a privilege for me to get your insight on financial markets. That does it for us. A better close on a FTSE compared to yesterday, up by 0.31%. On the S&P 500, a little bit firmer too, up four-tenths of 1%, erasing the losses from yesterday. And sterling, just a little bit stronger against the US dollar. Cable, 131.94. This is Bloomberg Radio.